Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anarchists and Androids. I'm Parenthesis I, and I'm joined with... Logar the Barbarian. So today we'll be talking about uh, the HBO miniseries Station Eleven, the first five episodes of it. Uh, Station Eleven, uh, it originally originally aired about a year ago, uh, started like December 16th of 2021, and it ended in January 13th, in the very beginning of this year. Now, this is based on a novel, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's so, yeah, it's weird. It's like based on a novel. And then in the story, uh, the the whole story is like then based on a comic book. And then in the comic book, it's all based on a fictional space station. (laughs) Station (laughs) So all these nested references, like a Russian doll. (laughs) I looked out for some like thoughts on it and stuff like that online. And there were a few interesting things I found. One of them was a critique from a a feminist uh, site that was saying stuff about how the book, and this is referring more to the book, but you can see it in the show as well, how while the main character, she seems to be the main character, they keep on having to go back in time and focus on the man who raised her. So they're kind of like, was pointing out that like, oh, well, we can't even have a woman who's a main character through this without having to rely <laughs> on going back to that guy. So that was one of the critiques that I saw online of, oh. that was specifically the book that they were talking about. Oh, about the Yeah. Well, so and like one thing, I guess for the listeners to know is like this is a a pandemic story. <laughs> it's about a, a virus, respiratory disease that spreads around the world and kills people. And so it's weird how it came out during COVID times, and it totally reminded you about COVID. But the <laughs> yeah. difference is like you know, unlike COVID, this had a ninety nine percent death rate. So like, and people seem to die, you know, catch it and die pretty quickly too. And so it just basically after this pandemic goes around the world, like it basically destroys civilization. And you then see like this post-civilization society in the Midwest. <laughs> and this is what they, yeah, like, you know, we're both from the Midwest. So it's like, oh, I can, we can relate. <laughs> and it's, it, so I want to point something out. So what we see here, like this pandemic hits and, and like we saw, you know, from what I understand from a Google search is that this started filming in January of 2020. I could be wrong. Oh, on that. wow. In the very beginning of the pandemic. So it's interesting. Um, I'm wondering if, if it's subject matter alone was enough to keep it um, filming because you had folks in masks and other things like that happen. <laughs> yeah. So I, but I, I want to like, there's two things that I see here. You're you're going from the past when capitalism and the state was up and running and going. And like under the pandemic we just experienced, they failed us completely. A public health crisis comes along and capitalism is not there to save us, oddly oh, enough. Man. Neither was the state. So just like, you know, what we saw, there was kind of some bad missteps, you know, when we actually experienced the pandemic. A society that's built just to function for profit that isn't looking to, you know, make those improvements, create health safety for the sake of health safety is, you know, going to go that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the authorities in the show, like they were completely incompetent and <laughs> they didn't do anything really to protect people. 
And it's interesting, you do see in some of the television, uh, like you see like a news anchor, like just like get up and just give up and walk away <laughs> on screen, you know? And then like later on, you see a glimpse of like some people, I guess people, they work there. I don't know, like they took over the TV station and they're just doing all this like crying confessionals. Like, oh, I'm sorry about this. And I did this other thing. I'm so sorry. You know, there's like, <laughs> it's this madness. <laughs> I, I uh, makes me also, I want, I want to go back to the very beginning of this show. Mm. And we have this character who it starts off with, who I, when it starts, I think he, I'm assuming he's going to be the main character. Oh, and Jeevan. Played by, yeah, Jeevan. He's played by Himesh Patel. Uh, and he finds this little girl. And at the time, it, it's Kristen, the main character of the show, which I'm going to say she pretty much becomes the main character of the show. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that his judgment, I question a little bit. I, I don't care. Um. I don't know if the situation I would have I would have tried to find an adult that knew her was responsible for her. I would have taken off with a little girl, a little oh, kid. Yeah. <laughs> I had, it seems like bad judgment taking off with a kid, like 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 do something yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, to just go off into the city, big city of Chicago, you know, by himself with a little girl that he just met. <laughs> yes, like like, but I guess what's going on is they're trying to get across that he realizes the world is falling apart around him, and there's nobody there for this girl. <laughs> And uh, and the one character who we see a lot of, who is the very uh, established actor, Arthur Lanier or Lender or Lanier or Leander, Leander, <laughs> Arthur Leander, is played by Gail Garcia Bernal. Now, I want to also point out that Gail is now in the MCU. He did play Werewolf by Night in the Werewolf by Night oh, special. <laughs> the one thing I didn't see, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a fan of his. I'm a fan of his politics. He he's got an interesting politics. He's the guy that played uh Shea Guevara both in the Motorcycle Diaries and in the Fidel miniseries, I believe, were the two places he did. And he's been outspoken uh politically. He's also been outspoken and involved with the Zapatistas and the EZLN at some early point in time, as I understand as well. But to add to that, in the film that he was, I guess, gained popularity in is uh would be oh what's the name of that movie hold on let me look it up real quick well like one quote that that character had in this uh miniseries is that other people repeated later on as well which is i don't want to live the wrong life and then die <laughs> and that seemed yeah really poignant for me e2 mama tambien is the name of the movie and the movie is starring both gail garcia and diego luna who is oh andor yeah <laughs> yeah yeah wow so huh. i just wanted to make that track back so him and andor kind of got their break on the same film <laughs> wow yeah and i was gonna say to you also like like for the first half of this year 2022 station 11 is like my number one new thing that came out and for the second half it'd be andor Yes. And so here, like in that movie, yeah, they're both there together. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a there's a shared thing. The other thing is Andor and Namor were both in uh, Narcos Mexico as well. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the things where they're crossing over, doing the Kevin yeah. Bacon thing. So you took a lot yeah. of notes. Take us to the next place we're going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's see. So like uh, the miniseries, it begins in Chicago. Uh, and the yeah, so that one uh, Jeevan character. So his sister is a nurse at an ER. So like the sister then has an inside scoop about what's going on with the pandemic just starting. 
Yeah. And so as a result, uh, she calls Jeevan and then Jeevan knows. And so that's one of the reasons he wanted to, I guess, save the little girl. But that impulse to save her, you see it earlier when that uh, Arthur Leander, when he dies on stage while performing King Lear, uh, he has a heart attack and dies right there. And so uh, the Jeevan gets up and runs up to the stage to like, you know, how to try to help him. But it's weird because like uh, later on, a police guy is asking him, like, do you know CPR? And he's like, nope. <laughs> so, so it's kind of the similar thing with the little girl. Like, you know, he has an impulse desire to help, but he doesn't necessarily know what he's doing. Now, there's like been a lot of studies and stuff like about people in like crowded areas and public areas and stuff tend not to respond that they often wait for someone who they perceive as an authority figure to stand up and do something. And yeah. that's that. And that's the thing I've read a few times. I feel I feel like I'm ignorant to bring that up because it's not something I've delved a whole lot into. <laughs> but oh, and they address that actually too. Like uh, like Kirsten, she said uh, you were the first one to know, and then he says no, the first one to stand up. Yeah. So that, that's the it's a question of who's who's going to take action. Yeah. We are very much conditioned to wait for a like under the division of labor that's occurred in alienation under capitalism. Everybody stays in their lane. That's yeah. a part of, of of being indoctrinated into a capitalist society. You do your one little part in the in the cog. <laughs> yeah. You're not the doctor. You can't stand up and help him. <laughs> yeah. And the, the one thing I'll say, too, also with the miniseries is like talking about the collapse of civilization. Like that seems really pertinent in the sense of like the ecological collapse that, mm -hmm. you know, is going on right now around the world. You know, the sixth mass extinction that's happening on this planet. And it seems in climate change and all that and how the governments of the world have been doing nothing to address in any substantial way climate change. And so it seems like a collapse of society on some large scale could very well happen in our lifetime. And likely it likelihood is it's not very unlikely that because of climate change, we are seeing, you know, new disease and, and things like that. And infections mm -hmm. rise out. So this is very much a thing that can occur because of climate change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, this is one of the the realities of it. Now, when they first did the lockdowns, what did they say about the about clean? I remember them saying stuff in the news about how clean the air was when everybody stopped driving to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and there was the one song, too, that they're singing. And I think the second episode, you know, for a few days, it was just stuck in my mind. <laughs> but like, uh, there's a line in it. Uh, it's all the song about the collapse of civilization and one line about like how you can see the stars so clearly, you know, now that uh, all the world has ended. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, I mean, what's what's occurring? The civilization is gone. Like you got 99 percent of the, the population vanished. Yeah. So your basic infrastructure, but a lot of people aren't going to know how to run these machines and things like that that are out there. The education, how are you going to get it? <laughs> you know? oh, how yeah. are you gonna like you're going to have to relearn those types of things. We've been so divided in our different little places we're at that a lot of times folks can't do a lot of basic things that they could do even a couple a couple decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this series, too, they they talk about like smartphones, you know, cell phones. And when they explain it to people that were born after the collapse of civilization, they're just like these magical devices that can do <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, without that infrastructure, you gotta have the satellites and everything else. You gotta have all this infrastructure to keep that going. Um, yeah. it, it it is not there. No, I I want to point out something. As anarchists, I think a lot of people are going to fall the default that a society without civilization is anarchism. 
But it, that's not at all what we're talking about. That's, not, that's inaccurate. And it's not what we're trying to go for. Well, except, yeah, the caveat being there are anti-civilization anarchists out there, too. Yes, there are, there are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there are some that say, you know, that civil, the green anarchists are anti-civ, you know, for short. Mm-hmm. You know, and so saying that, like, civilization itself is, like, domination and controlling and stuff. And it needs to be destroyed. And instead, you'd have a, a decentralized small bands and clans and groups of people all around the world well and also like what we see here is and that's not the type of thing that i've ever advocated for although um i i do have i do have some empathy with some things that are said from some of them that i can't say that i'm 100 percent there with them. Yeah. <laughs> i am very much the ideas of of anarchism that i adhere to rise very much out of workers movement workers self-management worker organization so very much seated in the industrial revolution and advancement of humanity and i tend to kind of lean in that (laughs) oh yeah yeah and i'm very much into like you know high tech you know advanced (laughs) science stuff you know and uh, anarchist settlements going out to other planets and asteroids and all that kind of stuff yeah so so lots of civilization there (laughs) in that yeah it's just it's just a, a question of how that's ordered and organized so we're looking here at the collapse of you got the collapse of the state. You got the collapse of the banks. You got the collapse of many of these things that we rely on day to day. To get our food, we go to the store. We have to have an open, you know, internet working to be able to run your car because most of the time you're running some kind of car that's just digits on a computer somewhere telling you how much you're able to buy. You know, you've got to have that infrastructure to bring the food out. Suddenly you're not, those things are gone. You got to survive. Yeah. It's interesting in, in like episode uh, one, like they go to the grocery store and they buy like multiple, like shopping carts filled with stuff. (laughs) And then they just like hole up in their apartment in Chicago for 80 days, just like eating their food until it like all runs out. I mean, and I'll be a hundred percent honest. Doesn't sound like the worst 80 days. I did some lockdown (laughs) (laughs) the lockdown thing here i could it might have it might have made it easier having access to the internet (laughs) yeah well and and yeah so there's like just sitting there in that apartment in chicago and at one point they have such a striking scene when like a plane crashes in downtown chicago and they just see it go by their their high-rise apartment it's kind of like the question that keeps on coming around at the beginning is like it's it's like a lot of people are, are perplexed by it like is this the actual end the yeah. one fellow decides he's going to go out and play golf. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the episode when they're in uh, Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. people are like, like, how would we respond? Like, we saw how people responded to COVID. Yeah. And yeah, it was foolish. <laughs> oh. So that's. I think that's which episode that's like episode four is like uh, when it focuses on the person that created the comic book Station Eleven, the fictional yes. comic book. It doesn't really exist, but I've seen online there are fans of it that want them to create a real comic book. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the artist did like a few panels just for like the miniseries. But it's so I mean, the comic book is uh, it seems so like melancholy and introspective and brooding. And it begins with a line. I remember damage. <laughs> and it goes from there. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, so, like, going on, you'll see uh, episode two. Uh, going on to that one. So, like, yeah, the, the Kirsten character. So, she's played by two different actresses. There's the eight year old version and the twenty eight year old version. Yes. Uh, was it Mackenzie Davis? I think is the actress that plays the twenty eight year old version. So, I guess she's probably been in a bunch of different things too. 
And so they, they show, though, uh, one character in it is a Sarah, who's a co-founder of the Traveling Symphony, which is a band of like Shakespearean actors that travel around basically Lake Michigan, you know, <laughs> uh, around like, you know, Chicago. Uh, they must like crash across the Mackinac Bridge at one point, which I would love it if they had showed that, <laughs> you know, so like because they travel in these caravans of like what used to be automobiles. But the engines and gas and stuff don't work. So they have horses that pull the automobiles as they have their, you know, their carriages. And, and so uh, Sarah is played by Lori Petty, who is in Tank Girl. She yes. Tank Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a yeah. fan of hers. I've been, you know, it's Tank Girl. Was, <laughs> yeah. I was there for Tank Girl when it came out brand new. I remember it very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I think I want to like rewatch Tank Girl after watching this. And she was, she did real, she, the, I, I, I hadn't seen her in movies for a while, and then she popped up in Orange is the New Black, which I loved that show. Oh, yeah. And Kate Mulgrew was in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she popped up in there. She did a great job in there. I like her a lot, and I was excited to see her in there. That's just a side note. <laughs> yeah. She has one quote there. Uh, Only children can act worth a damn. Everyone else is too traumatized. <laughs> Well, one thing I find interesting is is that they're keeping alive um, these old stories, and they're they're running around doing they're running around doing Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, from like the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. and the one fella that comes in, he comes in and he does his his best Independence Day. Oh yeah, for the audition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting their emotional reaction to such a movie. My my thoughts of Independence Day. I, I saw it when it came out in the movie theater. And I don't know if I've seen it since. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it since I saw it in the theater. But you might feel different about it after civilization collapses, perhaps. <laughs> and it's interesting seeing how like the fondness people have for it there. When I'm not like, hey, Independence Day is one of the great classics. But I'm sort thinking, if you were in that situation where civilization collapsed and you didn't have access to all the stuff we have access to now, nonstop 24-hour streaming, how would you respond to Independence Day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so both, it seems like uh, there's multiple groups of people that are trying to keep the memory alive of civilization, you know, the past, you know, the traveling symphony with their Shakespeare, then there's the Museum of Civilization uh, that uh, used to be an air airport, in in Michigan, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they they have like old like artifacts of like the world that was on display. What's interesting is that you get the the it seems to be that the younger generation is a little less concerned about keeping the memory of civilization alive. Yeah, you're talking about the post pans because <laughs> it's the pre pan and the post pans. You know, so pre pan are like people that were alive before the collapse. And so they remember the world that was, and then the post pans, like they have no memory of it. And that reminds me of like 9-11, you know, like, uh, like you and I, we remember 9-11 and everyone else, you know, that was live, it was a collective trauma, but for like, now there's like grown adults and have no memory of it. It's just all history. That's mind boggling. That's been that long. It doesn't seem yeah, like it's yeah. been that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have a memory of it. I was, Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and then what is it that uh, this like Arthur has a child named uh, Tyler, and so like Tyler, like after the the collapse of civilization, he creates like a cult. I think it's called like was it the cult of the children or something like that? It's all like postpans, you know, <laughs> kids that like you know join his group. It was interesting. I was noticing like while they're in the in the airport and stuff, the people that he's with 
Uh, the one feller who was a CEO whisperer, I think that's what they referred to him as. He was very much talking about how you got to have leaders and putting this like idea in his head that someone has to be the leader, the head of everything. And I thought that was an interesting little little nugget of information or wisdom he was giving him specifically there as he goes off to form his his cult. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking about in the Museum of Civilization? Yeah, when they were you know, they were in the airport before he oh, yeah. off and burned, and he was giving him a whole. There was oh, we got to have yeah. a leader type thing. Why do you got to have a leader? Well, because... <laughs> yeah oh yeah so that character is clark and he's like an irish guy and he was friends with arthur so yes. it's weird like the story like all these people kind of tie into each other you know like the person that made the station 11 comic book was once married to arthur and then arthur cheated on her and had a kid that becomes is tyler then mm -hmm. and then clark was like a friend and stage manager of arthur and then he goes on to create the museum of civilization and then uh, Kirsten also worked with uh, Arthur on, you know, King Lear. In an odd way, the, the show almost focuses specifically on Arthur's, the children and people that he impacted, yeah. you know, and what happened to them after he dies and this pandemic goes yeah. on in a strange sort of way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and another place we haven't talked about yet is Ping Tree, <laughs> which is like a, a country club golf course <laughs> that was taken up. Uh, taken over by like college professors and then they, they have a landmine field surrounding like the country estate where they I, live on i just gotta say that that i know they're trying to uh keep protected against what they think is going to be some kind of attack or something i think it's just a really bad idea to put landmine mines in your front yard like that i just think it's oh, probably yeah. not the safest thing i don't think it's gonna help you as much as you think it's going to oh yeah well, and that's what happens too like okay with like spoilers of course, <laughs> for all this stuff it's like some of the children of that cult they take the landmines they dig them up and they strap it to their bodies and they become like child soldiers slash suicide bombers. Yeah, it's very almost <laughs> reminiscent of Vietnam or something. Yeah. And the stories that you heard coming out of there growing up was happening. These children strapping bombs to themselves and whatnot. Well, OK, there's another phrase here that they repeat m multiple times to the monsters were the monsters. <laughs> yeah. And, and later on, she talks about like an analogy to explain it, right? Like it's like like wolves, for example, us humans were afraid of wolves all the time. But for wolves, they're afraid of humans all the time. So it's all about matter of perspective. Yeah. And I like there's some sort of like who idea there that's floating around about like how humans are somehow inherently a bad thing that I, I always kind of get a little bit of a aversion to when i hear that i'll acknowledge the damage that humans do but we can decide what kind of society we want to create and that oh, brings oh, me yeah. to that that reminds me of what i was going to ask next so what kind of economy are they existing in post collapse oh, like economy. i know at one point in time someone walks around with like knives handing them out is is it seems almost like we're in the midst of some kind of gift economy happening. It doesn't oh, seem like there's anything that's official. And I got a lot to say on how economies evolve and change when capitalism and barter comes in, but I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> yeah. But then there's a the question, yeah, how would economics work if civilization were to collapse? The you money's know? not worth anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I found the quote uh, from Tyler. Uh, there is no before. The survivors are the problem. And so I guess like the post-pan children, they hear that and that, that resonates with them because before it's like just abstract to them. And the survivors, the problem that's like, oh, the adults, you know, they're just <laughs> fucking everything up with their trauma. Oh, yeah. And there's another quote from the character Alex, too, about that. 
so Alex is like a, this a post-pan kid that ends up like joining Tyler's cult. And oh yes, it's the terrified carnival of trauma is what she calls <laughs> the the traveling symphony. Because like all the, the pre-pan people, they're just walking trauma, you know, because like <laughs> they've seen so many people they, they love and care about just like suddenly die and everything they know collapse. Uh, to add to that, like what they're bringing with them is their knowledge of how the world was structured and how things functioned. Yeah. That's why you get a, a little lecture about authority and you have to have people in power. Yeah, so, by, by Clark, who actually, the character, he just seems so nice and lovable. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, you can be the boss. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then you forget about his right-hand man who has a gun, who's the one that gives him the authority by, like, killing somebody in front of everybody. <laughs> Essentially, what is a state? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then also there's a message on the phone in the very beginning of the collapse of civilization that uh, young Kirsten has, because, like, she's texting, trying to call her parents. She doesn't know where her parents are. You know, everything's falling apart. She's terrified. And then she gets a message and one day. The body of the owner of this phone is located at blah, blah, blah. Uh, please do not come here. And that's like, oh, man, that was like a gut punch for me. Because like I can imagine, like, you know, being terrified and wondering what happened to your loved ones. And then you receive that message. Yeah, I mean, I don't want that to happen. And, and, and scarily enough, I think that it's a high likelihood that it can happen in our society. We sure as heck don't have what I would call sufficient safeguards in place if something like that were to break out. Yeah. And we see how foolish people can respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can go into the Station Eleven comic book because they do give a summary of what the comic book story is. So it's kind of like the Station Eleven story of the miniseries is kind of orbiting around <laughs> the story of the comic book. Yeah. So they say like that, okay, there's Dr. Eleven, who is described as being a stranger who is found floating unconscious in space and then is stuck on the broken space station, the station 11. And then there's Captain Monaghan, who's in charge, but he has uh, no crew and he's locked inside the bridge and he just drinks scotch and talks about the past. <laughs> and then there's other survivors that are children that are called the undersea. And they want to time travel back to the past to like fix the future. And then Dr. Eleven talks to both sides and is impartial. So there is no, like, I think one of the things that I get out of this that might even be a, a morality message is that there is no going back to the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that we can't go back, that, that you're going to, you know what I'm saying? So there is this threshold that if we pass it, we're screwed. And I'm scared we're heading there. The question is, how do we respond to that now, knowing that that's a possibility and the question, the other question that I'm left with is, how do people respond afterwards? Because creating that utopian anarchist society, I think, is totally possible either before or after. Only we have to have people actually willing to make the changes and do the stuff to make that society work. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting is like they show in Station Eleven, once society collapses or civilization collapses, you have all these different little smaller groups, and it seems like then the possibilities of how you'd organize things and you know what kind of societies you have, there's a lot more possibility for diversity of social organization. Yeah. I mean, right now, there's a huge global hegemony that exists under capitalism and yeah. taking out a lot of those mechanisms that capitalism has come to rely on. Well, 
you know, capitalism dominates the globe because <laughs> you can't get away from it. Yeah, the massive state apparatus that can like, you know, kill you for, you know, if you violate any of the, the norms and rules. Or you accidentally find, you know, oil in your country. Then... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and the society after the collapse in, in Station 11, it's like, it doesn't even matter if you find oil. It's useless. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do with that? Oh, you got to refine it and everything else. So at yeah. a point, like a lot of, there's not a lot. I mean, things are, are helpful to know at that point in time. Probably how to how to how to do some farming and raise some animals and stuff like that and grow food. Those would be very helpful things to have at that point in time. Yeah. Skills to have uh, for starters. Uh, being able to work some basic tools. I'm sure there'd be plenty of tools left around. And what about clean water? Like, how would you get that to have a, a community be like have water? Um. Yeah, oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you can collect in rain barrels. You can boil water. There's ways to cl- clean and purify water that aren't too complex, but having access to water as freely and as easy as we have now by turning on a spigot, that's gone. Oh, <laughs> that's, <man>. that's going away. <laughs> well, but then it's interesting. And they do have like the Severn city airport, which is then renamed, you know, the museum of civilization. And like, they have like solar panels and they have these large batteries for airplanes. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to rig up like an electricity system. So they, as a result, they can maintain some of like the old conveniences and such. But even that, you think about it as time goes by, like that system will be breaking down too. Yeah. You're going to yeah. need to replace that stuff. So you have to start scavenging around, finding those pieces. If you don't have the, I mean, the factories that made them are out there somewhere. I'm assuming if they haven't been stripped of what they have, yeah. Um. Figuring and then out how getting to, to them. Is, yeah. Like you can't just drive a car. You'd have to take a horse. <laughs> so, yeah. or, or, or be a real good jogger. Oh yeah. And then oh, they they make a reference, but they never show another group called the Red Bandanas or the Red Bees, and they're basically like meth addict militias that go around <laughs> <laughs> and like terrorize everyone. And then they like apparently most of them killed each other, but there's still a few of them out there in the woods of the Red Bees. Oh, one thing is a quote from Clark is that powerful people tend to crash hard when huge pockets of false reality come down. I've seen it at my work all the time. (laughs) And and then another person and group that we haven't talked about yet also is the night custodian who then adopts a a persona of being a homeland security officer. And then uh, as a result, people like give him authority, you know, when civilization is collapsing, it's like, oh, the homeland security guys knows what's going on, even though he wasn't. And then he takes like a bunch of like young women (laughs) on a small plane, you know, with finds a pilot that can fly him to Miami Beach to go create a new society. Presumably, he'd be the father of all the children that would be coming out. But <laughs> so, yeah, you just get all kinds of weird groups and stuff that emerge from this situation. Yeah, in a situation like that, and here's one of the things: like, like if society collapses tonight, what? How do people choose to structure society? How do they choose to organize? What we know, what we're familiar with, is what a lot of people will gravitate towards. Uh, making a different type of society is an intentional choice that has to be made. Yeah. So there is that. Like when you're saying, okay, we got to rebuild, we got to rebuild with intent. What is the underlying intention of what you're trying to do? What are you trying to create or trying to recreate what was or duplicate something new is the question. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I say everyone should come to me because I got ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got all the answers. If you just (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can be the leader of a new group of people, you know, the next Clark or whatever. (laughs) I am 
The ruler. (laughs) (laughs) Do we got anything else we want to add to this this, uh, first five episodes? No, it would just, uh, if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's it's an interesting show. It's good. I, I have, I might have a few more things to throw out there next week that I haven't. I, I, when I'm watching it, I find myself contemplating and a little perplexed. There's a lot of things I'm rolling over my head at times. Um, I'm apprehensive about some areas, mostly because of my personal hangups. <laughs> I'm like, how would that be? How would that go? Is that is that fictionalized in a manner that that like like looking at where the bias lies in this? What they're saying, how people respond to each other, how they will respond. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you see the whole wide variety of people like just being acting totally out of fear and stuff. And then other people that are like really like working together and pulling together. Mm-hmm. And the whole stuff about trust, like uh, how do you know who to trust and how do you develop trust and stuff? Uh, like all I, these questions come up. And I'm a big fan of the idea of mutual aid and, and mm-hmm. uh, that working together cooperatively is going to get us a lot further than than in conflict which we see between we see some of the conflicts kind of coming up here so <laughs> oh, and, and that's one thing yeah about the traveling symphony is like that group of people like they seem to cooperate together really well mm-hmm. and i think as far as economy it's like i think they just travel around lake michigan and they do their shakespeare performances and they they seem to have a like a, a positive mutual aid relationship with all the small communities that they see and perform at I appreciate that. And I think that's an interesting directive and thing to focus on. I'm curious. I know I haven't finished the series. I've only I started I watched the first half of the series when it first came out and never finished it. I watched the first five episodes uh, this last week prepping for this. And now I'm going to get into territories where I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, It's going to be a new world for you. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna there is... find out what happens before we record next week. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm gonna have a lot more opinions at that point. I do remember in the next five episodes, there's a scene that moved me to tears. So maybe you can identify which one it would be. <laughs> I will. I will see if I can try to figure out which one moved you yeah. to tears. Yeah. Do you have anything else to throw in this week? Ah, uh, no, it's just uh, that I remember damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, can you tell the listeners where they can find you on the internet? Oh yeah, well I have a blog uh, that that parenthesis i at dot blogspot dot com, and then uh, I'm on collectiva dot social the mastodon instance uh, at, at parenthesis i. You can find me on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards on this daily podcast Wobblies and Wizards dot com, or, or I'm sorry, the daily podcast Wobblies and Wizards wherever that you can listen to podcasts. Just type it in, you'll find it. I'm on. What am I on? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. And remember, everyone has their own rebellion. <laughs>